You are listening to Currents, a podcast of Big Ocean Women. My name is Shelley Ray Spots, and I will be today's host. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers, women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in their homes, their communities, and the world. In conjunction with last week's episode, today we are guest hosting Katie Jo La Riviere of the Diamonds for Our Children podcast and her discussion with Carolina Allen from the Big Ocean Board. Welcome to the Diamonds for Our Children podcast, a public humanities project and motherhood ministry. I'm your host, Katie Jo La Riviere. Drawing on all aspects of what Pope St. John Paul II called the feminine genius, I gather together the narratives, expressions, and expertise of mothers as a collective epistolary given freely as a gift to all children who might need the loving and secure presence of motherhood. This podcast is for my little ones, of course, but it's also for you, dear one, whomever and wherever you may be. If you need the love of a mother, join me every Monday. Each episode is a facet of the diamond of motherhood, and each contributes to a unified love that reflects light back onto the world. Let us fill our hearts up so that we can pour them out. This week, we welcome Carolina Allen of Big Ocean Women to talk about maternal feminism and empowered motherhood. In founding Big Ocean Women, Carolina sought to, quote, gather women and create pockets of light and safety all over the world. The mission of Big Ocean Women, which we'll talk about together today, sets this vision into motion in the most beautiful, organic, and dignified way. One of my favorite saints, Edith Stein, or Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, whose philosophy is settled deep within my heart, once said, The world does not need what women have. It needs what women are. And I think today's conversation with Carolina affirms this point. Our dignity as women and our contribution to the success of the world does not depend on what we can produce or how we can contribute to capital or what we can own. These are all secondary to what we are. And what are we? In all the diverse capacities we choose to live it out, we are life givers. If you're giving life to your children, biological or not, or to your colleagues, or to your friends, or to the strangers around you, then you are, at least in some small way, living the power of femininity. And yes, it is a power. It is the power of love in a person's life, however you show it, that sticks. I can't wait for you to hear more about this from Carolina Allen, founder of Big Ocean Women. I'm just very excited to have you here. I wonder if we could start by maybe having you tell us a little about yourself and maybe um, how it came to be that you founded Big Ocean Women. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. It's been something that's been on my mind ever since I was like a first time mom and doing philosophy um, as 
you know, my education at the mm-hmm. university and feeling like there was a real lack of, um, of this like maternal power that I knew I had and that I knew existed, even from being a young little girl, I felt that, that being a girl was really unique and special. And I felt really empowered by that. And I remember being pregnant, um, with my firstborn and just feeling this like incredible power within me and having so many feelings around like what my body was doing and, um, and just the sacredness and this really heavy, beautiful responsibility. Um, Mm. and it, it totally changed the way that I philosophized and like the lens that I was thinking about things. And, um, and so I guess there was like this blossoming seed within me figuratively and literally. Mm. (laughs) And, um, and it didn't, it didn't really take root until I started becoming more informed about the harm surrounding children, like these really calculated efforts and agendas that were targeting children and that like the mama bear, I'm like, where, where are the women? Where are the, this powerful female force? And I kept looking and looking and really delving into like feminism more, you know, intentionally and, um, and really finding a huge lack and then discovering like how a lot of the, the foundational paradigm was kind of aiding the problem in a way. And I was like, well, Mm. we need something different. And so I ventured out to look at womanism and that really resonated with me. Um, and the idea of women around the world that we had like these very core things that tied us together. And, but, but womanism wasn't like a, it's more of like just a, a philosophy that people could sit with and feel good about, but like the activism component I felt like wasn't quite there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I realized, okay, well, feminism is like the word that everyone is using. Um, I want to redefine what that means to me and what I know so many other women feel. Mm -hmm. And so then it kind of put me on this journey. And I remember I had just a very powerful, like, um, kind of like a revelation when I, my husband and I, we left the kids with my parents. Um, his sister had passed away from cancer. Mm. So we flew, my husband's from Hawaii. The funeral of his sister was really impactful to me. Um, I had all this quiet time on the flight to, to be thinking about this question of what is power? Um, what is, you know, feminism and how do I fit in? So I had all this time to really mull things over. And then the first thing we did when we got off the flight was to go to her funeral. And so there's just a lot of emotions there. And I got to see what a really significant change this woman had created in her community. Even though she wasn't a mother directly to people, she'd never been married, never had children, but her impact and her influence because of the things that she offered them um, through pure goodness and goodwill and without any strings attached, just this gift. Mm, um, mm-hmm. It impacted people in such a dramatic way that um, it's like my answer was starting to, my question was starting to be answered. And then I couldn't sleep all night because I was like, there's something like, I'm going to receive some kind of a big answer. I can feel it. Mm. Um, and so then 
early, early in the morning, it was still dark. I remember walking out to the ocean side. His parents lived right on the beach. And um, I just started like silencing my mind so I could receive something that I knew was coming. And, um, and so I just had like this very beautiful visualization of the big ocean and that we're not just, you know, first wave of feminism or second wave of feminism and these tidal tsunami waves that kind of came in some of them, um, destructive forces that kind of uprooted a lot of our identity. Um, I think progress was made, but it was made in kind of this cataclysmic way that unsettled a lot of, um, generational connection. Um, Mm. I think specifically around the sexual revolution, there was a lot of like denouncing the mother and setting her aside as a weak member of society and that we need to kind of turn our backs on that. And so there was like a severing of our roots. And then there was a lot of um, the abortion um, aspect of it also severed our branches. And so it was left kind of like this, this dead thing, you know, without a future and without this way to actually unite a lot of global women to whom faith, family and motherhood are integral parts of their identity and their power. And mm. so as I'm sitting there watching the sunrise over this big ocean, I, I'm realizing that um, that this is much bigger than just a wave. It's it's part of like this awakening of of women around the world and that it had to be a global effort for sisterhood and that we had to embrace the things that the world had used against us to make us feel powerless, make us feel invisible, make us feel worthless, that our faith anchors us and that our capacity to create human life empowers us and that our family roots are what, where we can influence the most. And that's how real long-term sustainable change happens. And so all of this kind of culminated and filled me up, you know, as I'm looking at the sunrise over this big ocean I just, it all clicked in my head. And so the word big ocean just really stuck out to me as, as what I needed to do. It was like a visual representation of something that needed to happen. I had no idea how to do it. (laughs) It was a heavy burden that I carried for a while and kept trying to explain to people and not really having the words to explain it. And um, really hats off to like the founding members, members that grasped like the spirit of it. And help me carry the load because I carried the load probably for a year, more than a year, and I felt like it was going to break me. Mm, um, yeah, it was a really heavy burden, and just trying to get it off the ground was extremely difficult. But thank goodness God is behind this work. I feel like, and that women Amen. intuitively can understand and um, have kind of jumped in and have helped carry this, and it's growing. So. Oh, there's so much beauty in what you've just described. Um, this this idea of big ocean, right? That we all touch the ocean; it touches all of our shores, right? And that we we're not just a wave, um, a, sort of a part of the ocean, but that we're you know we're involved in all of it, the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, that's so beautiful. And I'm also thinking too about the intentionality. And the attention that you pay to your own intuition here, 
like in this whole experience where this idea is coming to you, you know, you said you quieted your mind so that you could receive. And I feel like that is such a vision of what the mother does, you know, um, both literally as she prepares to have a biological child, but also um, like your sister-in-law, the way that she sort of received everyone um, and was motherly to them. And so, yeah, I've just got so many, I'm thinking so much uh, about this gorgeous description that you've, that you're talking about, um, about how you came to this idea. And also then in the end, it feels really important to me that you had, you sort of were able to develop a sisterhood with the other founders of Big Ocean Women who could join you in your idea, right? That they didn't, um, they didn't leave it all on your shoulders and that they joined in and took on the burden with you. Um, like what a, what a beautiful model, I think. Yeah, and it's just growing and growing. And I think there's a real selflessness about about like the ethos of the movement that, that it's not, <clears throat> we're trying to just grow and, and share that light with as many women and, and give them opportunities for leadership. And there's like, you know, it's very, it's, it's just wonderful work to work with, with selfless women that women aren't, mm-hmm. who aren't about, you know, um, the limelight, you know, or wanting credit for everything. It's, it's just like, I just love, I love the, the women that I get to work with so much. Like it's hard to even put into words. And um, yeah, I mean, you can even see it on, on your website, bigoceanwomen.org. Like there's, you have a, um, you know, a meet the team page and it's, it says board of directors, you know, it doesn't have like, here's me, I'm the founder and here's these people in this sort of hierarchical um, organization. It's just very inclusive. Um, And I just, I think that modeling in that structure is so, uh, so necessary and so important, particularly if we're, when we're thinking about feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it kind of illustrates something that I've been exploring on the podcast quite a bit, which is this idea of like a third way, like making a new way to do things that isn't sort of bound up in political or social categories that kind of either eschews them or combines them innovatively so that we're not bound to a structure that doesn't serve us. Right. I love that Um, so much. I love that. I think, I think we need to, you're onto something like it's big. A third Mm. way is exactly, I think that's where so much conflict comes from. And like this us versus them, you know, polarization happens when, when we're starving for something that, mm. you know, I, yeah, I think, starving. I, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's what lends to the creative third way is um, people that are, aren't going to just accept like what's given, you know, but that are like, no, there's something yeah. better out there that even if I don't quite know what it is yet, it's like this abundance mindset that there's, there's something else, you know, there's something else. And I can, I can have faith that it will be manifest to me or that I I will join forces with others that we can create something else. And so there's kind of like a, I love it. I I just absolutely love what you're doing. 
Yeah, I feel like I feel like the idea of um, maternal feminism, which is one of these major tenets of big ocean women, that that idea is sort of a a, a confluence of categories that we're not used to seeing together, um, and that it really expresses this kind of third way. Can you describe it a little more for us, this idea of maternal feminism? Yeah, so maternal feminism, it was, at the very beginning, there were a lot of women that wanted to get behind it, but were like, oh, I just don't really identify as a feminist, and and you're going to have to maybe drop that, or else we're not going to be able to get this thing going. Um, mm. But I kept, it was a very prayerful decision. I, I kept praying about it, and I'm like, how can I make, create something if nobody's even going to jump on board because they just hate what this is from the beginning. And I kept feeling like, no, you need to preserve that. Like that, that is, you, you need to redefine it. You need to stick with it because it's, it's going to take root. Don't worry, you know? And, um, but the maternal part is, I feel like that missing component that feminism alone, um, it can be very like, Okay, so I'm going to phrase it this way. The maternal aspect, it, it links women to everyone else mm-hmm. um, instead of it just being just about women. It, it, it tucks under our protective wings, our children. It tucks under our protective wings, our families, our relationships, our healthy relationships with men, with the masculine. And so it kind of creates links to the entire world. And... Um, and I think that that was the missing thing is that, you know, when I, when I can work for this in-tuned leadership for women and, and this kind of a sovereignty that's based on expanding my goodness, like I bring with me so much more instead of it being mm. like an egotistical, like isolated claim and like, I have a right to this, I have a right to that. All of which, yes, there's a place for that, but so much more, those things can happen naturally, you know, as I just extend my influence in, in, um, through my goodwill and through my, my heart, you know, to safeguard others and, and, and to bring goodness and light to the world. I love this idea of establishing sovereignty through expanding goodness, mm-hmm. like that we become more ourselves. We become more empowered as we include others, as we pull together um, sort of the, the selves of everyone mm-hmm. else. Um, that inclusion seems like such a huge theme for what you're doing. And, and I love it too, that sort of the inspiration for all of this is your sister-in-law. And I think I've heard you in another interview um, kind of talk about her being such a beautiful example of this maternal feminism, even as you said, even though she, she didn't have biological children. And so it's really key, I think, to think about the maternal as more than biological motherhood. Oh, absolutely. It's like a stewardship. Yeah. Of, and, and if you, you know, people that are familiar with Big Ocean also understand, like, this idea of, of nature and, and our stewardship that's more than just, you know, our human family, but it extends to, to this, you know, all life. Um, yes. Amen. And so, and I feel like that that's something that women keenly understand, like it's part of our, you know, essence. I think it's something that we really deep in our bones get. And, um, Mm. 
anyway, it's the, the, the linking the maternal with the feminism, I feel like completes it. And, and not having, not including that maternal, it cuts us off from so much power. And yeah, can you talk a little more about your, this concept of power? Like, what are we, what kind of power do we lack then if we ignore the maternal aspect of feminism? We, we lack the real, so like I I was able, to me, I distilled what it is about feminism, what the upshot really is and it's power. And I feel like, okay, then what is the upshot of power what what is it if we could distill it down to what is it and i strongly believe that it's influence um but influence that goes it's it's like in many dimensions um throughout space and time and i think that that comes from the capacity to create life and and to be this Mm. really vital link between generations because you can talk about influence uh, a very shallow form of influence, you know, is like, like marketing strategies that people employ, or, you know, now that we have this entire technological boom, we have so many things just pulling at us, at our attention constantly, right? And they're, they're trying to influence mm. us and nudge us in certain ways, how to buy their product. And if you look at the mother, the mother is the most highly developed source of, of influencing hearts and spirits and and molding thinking and belief and and instilling a sense of dignity and worth within a human being from the very beginning and it's built into who we are and so when when we have that capacity to give life um and or to nurture that life doesn't have to be our biological flesh and blood but um to to share that love um it it actually changes another human being who then can go in and change another human being and it can go on and on and on and on through time. And so that to me, that's, if, if that's not power, if that's not like the epitome of power, then I don't know what is. And it's Mm, all within the capacity of, of the female, which is really unique to our kind. Men have, you know, other critically important, I think um, gifts to offer the human family, but that's something that's really unique to women. And I feel like throughout history, I almost feel like it's been intentionally buried. It's been intentionally um, hidden. It's been intentionally warped um, because mm. it's so powerful. And so I feel like there's this like bubbling within all of us all over the world. that's feeling like this rise and um, where we're, we're really starting to uncover who it is that we really are. Um, and it's exciting, it's thrilling, but at the same time, I also feel like there are very intentional forces that are trying to steal that or erase that, or just to kind of, um, say, well, we, we can do the same things using science and technology. We can make, we can create these things and, you know, but I feel like it's, it's natural to who we are. And that's why I say it's Mm -hmm. the most highly sophisticated, you know, um, like it's like our own technology for for influence that's a a fabulous way of putting it highly sophisticated highly powerful because it's so it's so organic and natural yeah I feel like there's a real um force happening simultaneously that is actually trying to recreate in their own image nature 
um, the female, all of these different things. And so I feel like it's, it's a counterfeit and it's an extremely Mm. destructive counterfeit because it's usurping so much energy to create when we already have this beautiful thing that needs to be supported and bolstered and celebrated. And there's like this envy almost it's like rooted in envy, I think all Mm. along. Um, but the way that we tackle that is it, it's simply by magnifying who we, who we are. So that, that's the way that, that we, we engage in this battle almost. It's, it's just shining bright, you know. It's, you don't have to engage yeah, in the battle. It's, it's more like, well, I, I'm just, we're going to keep doing what we do. And we're going to keep expounding and expanding our influence more and more. So. Yeah, that's, that's lovely. And I, I think about um, when you say that it's so natural to us, sort of built into us um, as women. And I wonder if you ever find yourself responding to questions about essentialism, you know, and how might you respond to that? I think it's really important that, that maybe we, we um, sort of think through that kind of that kind of response kind of, as you were saying, like that, these forces that want to sort of tear down the maternal um, or infantilize it or make it less than, um, I think that is wrapped up in these, in accusations of essentialism. Like there is something to be said. I feel like there is this kind of invisible thread that connects women across the board and it has to do with life mm-hmm. I feel like at the at the at the really heart of it, it that's what it is well, um, and so I don't know I don't know exactly how to answer that question I think that it has to be distilled and boiled down to some some kind of defining um, thread that that connects us you know and how you know how that's all manifest is you know in myriad different ways right um, but I was kind of thinking about this because I feel like the claim that a maternal feminist might make about um, the fact of this kind of giving being sort of written into our DNA, um, I feel like that claim is sometimes twisted in a way that that is an accusation of essentialism where someone might say, well, will you think that women have like a particular role, right? Or like that gender roles are an appropriate thing. And I think that actually what you're talking about here is saying that because it is women who bring forth life into the world through pregnancy and childbirth, um, that there is, it's sort of written into our body, right? To communicate something that it's, that our bodies are a language that communicate a bigger truth about what it is to be maternal. Mm-hmm. And so that in that way, like your sister-in-law who didn't have biological children could still absolutely be a mother without being traditionally a mother. Does it, is that yeah, making absolutely. sense? Yeah, no, th- I think that that's exactly right. In the beginning phases a lot of women were like, well, I'm a working mother. And I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> you know, and so it, it kind of, it, it's not for, like this outlining and, you know, 
placing women in this kind of box of what it must mean then to be a mother, what that looks like. Um, I think that it's, it's beyond all of that, mm-hmm. but what you're saying it, yes, it's from the very beginning of time, as we know it, it's written in our very DNA, what it means to safeguard life. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and it's something that we have stewardship over because our very body like tells us this, right? Not only is, have you protected something completely alive, something completely unique that is both you and someone else Mm -hmm. within your own body. Um, But then once that has exited, you know, your body and is now its own separate body, it's still a part of you because you still have to nurture with your body. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's a very physical kind of gut thing like that's so deep within us and it's this precious life that has come at a tremendous sacrifice right to our own selves and um and that's a power because that's a tether it's a tether to other yeah oh you know? yeah a tether to the other I, that's beautifully right. phrased and i feel like the physicality of it sort of the deep um sort of viscerality of it is communicating that bigger truth, maybe that it is possible and that it is worth it to right. make that sacrifice on behalf of the other, to, to as a human being of whatever role or gender, to connect yourself to the other and give to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's women who... Absolutely. And there's a power in the word mother. Amen. And I, I'm, I'm always very much trying to preserve that language because it it encapsulates so much that if we lose that we lose a large part of this power and our identity and I think especially when we're kind of on the cusp of of this dawn I feel like for women everywhere uh, specifically in places where they've been so oppressed Mm. and it's so so critical to preserve that language I think and and still have it be tied to what our bodies can do. And so I think that that's gotten me into some situations where, you know, I'm trying to have like this nuanced conversation about, about that without, you know, getting boxed in. Yeah. Um, But I love having this conversation with people that will open, you know, um, do it with an open mind with me, you know? Right. Someone, someone else who might explore a third way and not be, not be bound um, maybe by, one wave or another but but see the boundaries as this whole big ocean yeah Um, i love that metaphor i just love it and now i'm thinking about because you know i'm also an academic and you know and a mother so i'm really interested to discuss um your idea behind the mission. So for, for our listeners, I just want to um, just review, like what is the mission statement of Big Ocean Women? It says, to gather and train women to be deliberate thinkers and to engage as powerful forces for good in their homes, communities, and the world. Such a beautiful mission statement. And I'm wondering if we can talk a little more about that little part of it that's that has to do with training women to be deliberate thinkers 
what what do you mean by this phrase and like how do you carry it out well we we carry it out through our cottages where we sit together in circles and groups and we we hash things out in a way of like okay so these are problems these are hardships these are challenges that we're facing what can we do collectively how how can we address this and 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 creatively tackle this problem. Um, and so I think the deliberate thinkers component is, um, it's kind of like training us to, to use our gifts very intentionally. Mm. Um, and so there has to be like a, a thinking things out phase and then talking and communicating phase. Cause as you do that, as you, as you process like your thoughts, you can articulate like, we're not just going to go and like, for example, here's a really practical example. A lot of the mundane things that I do within the walls of my home, like I get up and I am doing laundry or I'm tackling dishes or I'm watering plants or I'm feeding dogs and kids. And um, that, that can weigh down on me as a burden, like as, ugh, why mm. in the world do I have to do all this stuff? This is, you know, but, but when I can think through what it is that I'm doing very intentionally, it changes not just the way that I do things, but the outcome of them. Mm. And so I feel like that is a really important missing link that I wish more women um, that, that we're trying to develop more and more in, in each other. Um, and, and it's kind of like this hyper-focused intentionality of the why. Why do we do the things that we do? Why are they important? Are they valuable? And, and what I'm trying to say is yes, that all of those things are extremely valuable. And it's better understood through another tenet that we have, which is that we are each um, endowed with like an internal compass that can, that can, like this intuitive pull to, to do certain things. Um, and I think that as we do them with true intention, the outcome is so multiplied. And so mm. I think that that's what we, that's a mission, you know, and, and if each woman is doing that, that's, that's a big deal, you know, and if she's inspiring other women to do the same, to follow that internal compass and to follow this intuitive kind of um, like an innate epistemology, like a knowledge that's deep, deep within us that if we can just follow through, um, then the actions that we take and the things that we are involved in and the ways in which we're involved are multiplied beyond. I have a little four-year-old that is always asking me, mommy, can you take me to the bathroom? And so she'll sit on the toilet and I just sit there with her and it's, and um, sorry, this is kind of a silly example, but at one point I was like, okay, are you done yet? Like, I need to get on with things. And she looked at me and she's like, mommy, do you just not want to talk to me? And oh. at that time, at that, what she was trying to express is that like, I love it when you get to go in, when you go to the bathroom with me, I know this is silly, but to her, that's the time when it's just so one-on-one -on -one and she can just tell me these little things that's on her mind and and like yeah. this one week I was just super rushed and I'm like, hey, are you done yet? Are you done yet? You know, like, let me move on to the next thing I need to tackle. And so that just 
really came to my mind as it's more than this act. It's like yeah. feeding yeah. her soul when I can. And so it's more than just a meal. It's more than just right. reading a book. It's more than just writing a paper. Like it's more than just making a quilt or whatever it is, the million things that we do. It's more than just driving, you know, the carpool or it's more than just, you know, meeting with a student. It's, it's so much bigger than that. And so if we can have this intentionality behind what it is that we're doing, it can have like this, you know, synergetic kind of a power. And I love this, this sort of deep intentionality and attentiveness. I mean, what mother of a four-year-old has has not been in that position, <laughs> you know, where you accompany your child to the bathroom and they just you know, they just expect that you'll just hang out. Right. It's not, um, it, 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 to them, it's just like, well, my body's just doing a thing, just like it does a thing all the time, all day. So why wouldn't you want to just talk to me right here and now? I think that's a very, uh, a perfect example, actually not a silly one because it really speaks to the mother's capacity for, um, intentionally attending to, every aspect of the human in front of you, even if it's kind of gross or (laughs) even if it's it's more than what the act is. It's like you're, you can, you're healing a little soul. And in so doing, you're kind of healing a part of yourself. And that connection is what all of the things we do is what is it's really about. And so if we can just keep that in our minds all the time, like, it could be the most mundane thing. It can be done with so much love and intention that it can change like things in a really big way. And so I feel like right. it's, it's one thing to like, let's say go in and march and hold signs, which we've done and which I think is important. But if your life is made up of millions of really intentional small acts, they add up, they add up big time. And then you multiply mm, that with mm-hmm. many women and, and many communities. And it's like, whoa, you know, and the change isn't just like, you know, a policy or let's say like some law. It's like generational, like internal change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, too. It's it's deep change. It's like a oh, it's just like steeping in the tea, you know, of what it is to be connected right between human beings. Um, so beautiful. And I'm thinking too, um, about your cottages being sort of like a facilitator of this deep intentionality and sort of being a, a space where uh, it's expected that women are deeply and deliberately thinking about the things that they do, that, that care work, or any of the, the many things that we do in our lives are worthy of this deep intention and deep thought. And so there's kind of like this, it seems to me like a balance between just the expectation that the things that women do are um, worthy of that attention and also then the facilitation of like, let's think about what this attention means. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah, sound right? I, I think it changes everything. It really does. And I can't yeah. tell you how many times like I've used this to shift my mindset and to get me out of my own funk and then like to move forward with so much power. Like I do it all the time. Mm. And I feel like 
and, and it's these other women that are doing it too, that it will trigger something in me to likewise, you know, live this way. And I'm not perfect at it by any means. I'm constantly hashing this out within myself, but how, how would a listener get involved in one? How do they actually work? So we just, yeah, all it takes is one woman that wants to get started and it's, it's not very difficult and it's, um, you just contact us and we can get you trained. We can get you set up and you can, um, get a couple of your good friends involved and become the leadership. And then you, you know, rally more women around you and you get together and you meet once a month um, for as long as you want and wherever you want. Um, and you discuss the tenants. Um, we, we discuss a tenant every month um, throughout the calendar year. We have that discussion. And in light of the discussion, we can talk about, certain issues that are before us and then how we want to respond to them and how we can make a difference. Um, and it can be as far as, you know, um, supporting the cottage members themselves, or it can be going out into the community and doing projects, um, humanitarian projects or different, you know, um, advocacy projects or whatever it is that the women themselves feel like they want to, how they want to use their time. And then really amazing things come from that. And we actually, have sister cottages so your cottage can be connected with another cottage on the other side of the world and you can do projects together um we have virtual cottages so that's a great way just to get started and get your feet wet and we we do that every first wednesday of the month at 11 o'clock and we post a link on our website and on facebook and instagram um and you can just you know join us and and introduce yourself and say i'm new and i you know want to learn more about big ocean and i want to start a cottage and We'll get you connected to the right people. We have a team that can meet with you and um, and get you all set up and trained with projects. Like a lot of cottages want to engage in a lot of community action. Um, and we just, you know, if, if they're needing support from us financially to get a project off the ground or to do something, they just, we have them write up a proposal and so that we can help manage the project so that the funds are going, you know, to the right place and making sure that everything is lined up um, and you have the support you need to follow through with the project or whatever. And so, yeah, it's, it's that really is so simple. cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, I love how both it's so practical. There is, you know, such a, a key practical element to the cottage stru structure, but it's also um, really thoughtful and, and deliberate, as you say, and really inclusive it sort of is a, a perfect practical manifestation of your whole mission. And I just think that's so cool. Um, and I wanted to offer the opportunity for all of our listeners to know what that was and how to get involved. I wonder if, um, you know, because the other cool thing about the cottages actually is that, is that it allows women to do what they want with that, um, that structure, that sort of, um, what, what should I call it's it? Like, like an intellectual network. Yeah. It's yeah. A huge network. And yeah, it, it does. I think it gives them the freedom to say, well, how, how do we want to lend our voices and what causes, what is something like our, we have a cottage in Missouri and it's very much, 
they, they went and learned and got very educated and realized that their area is a huge sex trafficking hub. And mm. they've, they've become extremely educated on the topic. They've reached out and informed their community. They've held a lot of these community outreach kind of things. And so every cottage is really different. Um, there are a lot of cottages engaged in um, working with refugees. Um, we have a sister cottage um, between Spanish Fork, Utah, that actually works really closely with uh, a sister cottage also in Utah, but made up of Afghan refugees. And, wow. um, and yeah, and it's, it's, you know, like people needing work and us needing something. And so there's this collaborative effort. Like we have incredible women that are trying to be more self-reliant and that want to develop their sewing skills. So we've helped with sewing machines and then we have asked them to sew us face masks, you know, and then there's another woman that designed the fabric for the face mask. And so it's just like really cool. There's an awesome synergy when you have a lot of women just giving what talents they have, like, it's amazing. It's really absolutely cool happening. Yeah. And I love how, um, just how diversely your mission can be lived out. Uh, it's such a beautiful thing that it's, you know, yours is, is really a big ocean, um, where everyone, you know, contributes their drop, you know what I'm right. saying? It's like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, well, Carolina, thank you so much for spending time with me this morning and for telling us all about Big Ocean Women. It has been such an honor for me. You're so amazing. Yeah, I'm so excited about what you're doing. And it's been an honor for me. I just love talking like philosophically. So it's and yeah, me too. I'm just really grateful for you and for you reaching out. I was so delighted to to get your email. So anytime, anytime, and let me know how I can support what you're doing. We'd love to support you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so wonderful. My conversation with Carolina has me thinking about connection. It's that big ocean that connects all of us. And we who are part of that big ocean that connect ourselves to each other and everyone else to each other. We can start our connection today. Go to bigoceanwomen.org, follow them on Instagram and Facebook, get involved with a cottage, become a part of that big ocean. Thank you so much for spending time with me this week. You are a beloved child, and today, for just a few moments, you chose to be with me. I'm so honored by that. I hope you can feel how much you are loved. If you know someone who could benefit by spending time with us, will you invite them to the Diamonds for Our Children community? Help them find our website at diamondsforourchildren.com. Send them a link to the show on Spotify, Apple, or any podcast platform. Or search for Diamonds for Our Children on Patreon. Patreon members are eligible for lots of good things, especially the opportunity to help me turn this mama love into tangible giving in our communities. You can also share what the show means to you by reviewing the podcast on the free Apple podcast app. Rating and reviewing helps others to find our community and our love. And who knows, your review might just be featured on the doc website. 
You can also get in touch with me via email at diamondsforourchildren at gmail.com to ask questions or share your thoughts with me. I can't wait to be with you again next week. Together, we create facets of a unified love that reflect light back onto the world. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast of Big Ocean Women. You can find us at BigOceanWomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. If you are interested in joining or starting a cottage, reach out to us on any of these platforms and we will get you connected. Our guest today has been Katie Jo LaRiviere and the Diamonds for Our Children podcast and her discussion with Carolina Allen of the Big Ocean Board. You can find more information on our website, BigOceanWomen.org. Join us again for an in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and fascinating people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.